You're listening to The Razor's Edge, an investing podcast. Your hosts are Akram's Razor, an investor, trader, short seller, and deep dive researcher for the last two decades plus, and me, Daniel Schwartzman, who's worked in investing media the last decade while managing my own stocks. We break down investing themes or ideas and speak with expert guests to get a wider understanding of a given topic. To get episodes of The Razor's Edge, Subscribe to this podcast wherever you get podcasts. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you have a chance, or share this show with a friend. Reach us on Twitter at at Daniel Shortman or at Akram's Razor. You can subscribe to Akram's The Razor's Edge newsletter at the-razors-edge.ghost.io. The link is in Akram's Twitter profile. Here's our disclosure. The views discussed belong to either Akram or me, respectively, or to our guests when we have them. Nothing on this podcast should be taken as investment advice of any sort. We'll disclose any positions and any stocks discussed in the introduction to a given episode. Hey, welcome back. It's been a funky start to the year, as a Dash for Trash rally has turned into a not-as-bad-as-expected earnings rally, and now it's easy to be wrong-footed waiting for the actually maybe the Fed will or will not cut or whatever other narrative you want to throw onto it. So we discuss what we're seeing, diving into stocks like Twilio or Meta, which have more in common than may first be apparent, as well as new market narratives like the rise of AI. This intro, at least, was not produced by ChatGPT. Before we begin, disclosures, I'm Long Juniper, Dropbox, Spotify, and Excellus, and Akram is short Coinbase and Long Juniper and Boeing. Here we go. Akram, how's it going? Good. How's it going? Can't complain. It's been an interesting start to the year, as always. Twilly is free. Twilly is out in the open in the famed swimming 70 seas. Mm -hmm. Going. You knew that was going to happen. I mean, when you pick a campaign, they don't don't hold orcas in captivity anymore. It's true. That's true. It's, a, it's, it's an improvement. There's a good... Same, thi- same thing with CPAS stocks. Good story on uh, <laughs> how orca children, or- orca boys, get stay close to the mother forever. Good good story out there. But uh, I think it was in the Times, ultimately. But yeah, Twilio may, maybe maybe sticking close to people, but it, it did break yeah, free. I feel like that's like an Avatar 2 type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It's been an interesting, so Twilio is one example of it, but it's been an interesting quarter earning season in terms of, or not even just earning season, news news flow in the first couple months. We had a conversation that I don't, I don't think we ended up publishing about the race for the track, the dash for trash sort of start of the year, but it's also been a year where Every lay every RIF reduction in force is received with almost a commensurate stock move. You're reduced by five percent. Well, no, it's not quite right, but you're reduced by 10%, you get a five percent bump, something like that in your stock. Uh-huh. There's a there's a lot of excitement from investors' perspective on in cutting. There's a lot of not a lot of great growth in numbers i think from earnings from what everybody from what we've seen so far with basically nope, nope everything is still decelerating basically uh, we just have in, the in big many cases, in many cases and, and accelerating right yeah so what do you what do you make it we're still above 4000 the s&p like we're still up the nasdaq's up more than 10% for the year what are you making about this sort of early, this start to 2023 and this sort of maybe wrong footing of people expecting a bear market or or like, what do you think is going on right now? I mean, I guess you can only fall so far so fast. Is the, is the best way of explaining it. It, it was interesting because we've kind of kept falling through the end of the year i mean it was and it was a very much felt like the it doesn't happen every year but it felt very much like you turned yeah, january I was this conversation with somebody where i was trying to mm, what's the word kind of articulate um 
the lessons we've learned from a shorting standpoint in general, and then just these markets. Uh, and I was using Peloton. So how so down eighty two down eighty two percent in twenty twenty one. It was down seventy five percent through August of twenty twenty two. Uh, then rallied like 60%, then gave that all back and finished 2022 down 71%. It was like, I mean, I think some people were talking about the, was it the no PTF and there's been a couple other, but like, I think no PTF had made it a big short position to start the year. And like, that's the point where you're like, and, but, and look, the fundamentals don't look good there. Right. But I'll tell you what they look like, that it's not going bankrupt tomorrow, right? There's, in fact, been, and I was discussing this with a friend who, who, who's on the distressed side of things and does a lot of restructuring work, and that there's, like, really a new trade now. If something becomes really shorted and it collapses, if you're a creditor, and let's just, like, it gets to the point where the equity is a foregone conclusion as, you know, a zero you know, chapter 11 around the corner, like, you know, file any day now. Like, if you're a creditor, there's an incentive for you to work with them a little bit if they're so shorted and they've drawn, like, if they've, I don't know if you saw the, I did the, like, what defines a shitco? Because <laughs> that word gets used so much these days. Uh, I guess it just became popular, you know, in the bubble burst. Uh, but there's an incentive for and you i mean we've seen the extremes and you know people remember them for the short squeezes and the conspiracy theories and the manias around them but there's an incentive to work with the company you know maybe maybe give them a free pass and some covenants maybe do you know a small little uh, investment at a highly highly dilutive level right that gives them more time um and then just you know let the stock market dynamic with retail traders who come in will bid it up. Uh, and in, in, in the event of many of these stocks, right, really tight floats, heavily shorted and, you know, squeezable, right? Like if you're short something that you are so, like you believe is going to go bankrupt in like 30 days or 60 days without chapter 11, and you believe that, you know, in that chapter 11 proceeding, it'll be fast and that, uh, the the existing equity will be wiped out. New company will will emerge, right? Uh, like it's going to be pretty expensive to hold that short position, right? Like it's it's not cheap, right? Like there's very few shares left out out there because you know, like people are in that ninety five percent confidence interval of it going bankrupt, so when you get something like that, like, you know, uh, it can be tested somewhat. Right. And it's like become now kind of a game. Like, uh, I think there was like a good interview with Carson block recently where it was like the video game element of it, of the markets, you know, it's kind of changed things a little bit. Right. Like, you're not necessarily, you know, trying to get to the end. Maybe there's just like somebody who wants to get into the secret room and run, like collect as many gold coins as he can for the next five hours. <laughs> uh, and like, they're, they're not trying to maybe win the game. Uh, they're, they're not necessarily operating within the same rules. So, you know, risk management is like a much more dynamic concept, uh, you know, at the polls. It's, it, it's just as bad as it is in a bubble at the extreme when you're at 200 times sales or whatever as it is when like you're, you know, held like supremely confident that this business is completely broken. I like, you know, like weird things can, can happen at, at those polls. Right. But that's like, we'll call that the outliers, right. For the most part, just like, you know, a little stress can occur. Things can take a little bit more time. Like Avaya is a good example recently filed. Uh, that's going to be fast. And those equity holders will get nothing. All right? Like, that's, that's pretty much over. Uh, Bed, bath, and beyond, you know, some time. 
still looking like headed in that direction. AMC, his jury's still out, but uh, you know he's he's navigated things. But then you get like you know some of these where like I mean App Harvest recently. I mean what a you know. I was just looking for company. that name recently. I was just thinking you know, about and it App went from like eighty cents to to it was the best performing stock in the market as of like ten days ago. And then like in three days it gave it all back and like you know made a new low, right? <laughs> Like and they did an equity offering of forty million dollars at a dollar. Uh, there's a lot of that in the market, and like this thing's been stripped. It's lost its two main facilities and sale leasebacks. Like, like so I don't really know what anyone's like on any other planet. Like if things like this didn't exist, you go bankrupt. But Mustard already helped them out, and there's reasons for them to help them out. And like, you know, financially. Like I'm seeing transactions, you know, done with certain related parties that are in fact, you know, structured in a way that like end up kind of being friendly to the related party uh, and buy, you know, X, Y, and Z equity time because X, Y, and Z equity is in fact so bad, right? So like there is a reflexivity that's been coming out of it. Which is interesting, considering like it's not zero rates, it's not whatever. It's just kind of like this new kind of technical dynamic that we're seeing a lot more in the stock market, because everything kind of goes like you know lightning speed, mm. and it actually works out better for you if you're a creditor. Well, it, it like it's, a, it's a it's a card you should play, you know, at that point. So like, yeah, I mean, you get to that point, and then like you know you have like Peloton, which isn't really at those poles, but it's like. If it went down eighty two percent and then seventy percent like can you really can you really make it a fifteen percent short position one one of the things I'm wondering about is with how fast things how fast we talk about things and how quick everybody's looking for the next turning point, whether it's up or down is this bottom is this you know it's it's like there's such a focus on that near term. When we're talking about, we don't need to stake out too much of a view on, is there going to be a uh, full recession or whatever? That That's less important to me right now. But we've talked a lot about certain sectors like tech where there's going to be a slowdown. But just because there's, just because the multiples have come down a lot doesn't mean the actual pain has been felt in a lot of cases. And... I wonder like what you're talking about with the creditors is almost as if they're exploiting this time lag between when a stock looks in trouble and when the company is actually really in risk of liquidation or risk of uh, uh, insolvency was the word I was looking for in whatever form. And I mean, so everybody if- recouped their investments in AMC theater chain from like five years back. Right, like it was a disastrous investment, <laughs> you know. Like the, there was people in the capital structure on the credit side who were pretty much toast. Obviously, the equity side, you know, generally viewed as toast. Everybody got out, you know, like in that in that like whatever you want to call it one month time period. Um, so of course that was like a major extreme example. You know, zero rates and COVID and. You know, I guess like, you know, it's a dollar stock and, you know, people started trading it from an open up trade and who knows, and then GameStop and whatever. But then you have people who saw what happened with Hertz, which in fact, you know, there was a logical reasoning to, uh, you know, a company that went bankrupt and 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 the equity value actually uh, for a company in chapter 11, you know, having significant value relative to what was going on, you know, for typically a filing. Uh, and that was because the value of used cars changed drastically in a very short time period while it wasn't there. Right. So like, again, going back to the video game concept, people have seen things a little different. There's some things where, you know, things have worked and some things that like, there's enough reasons to try. Uh, there's, you know, you had that dude who wrote the letter, whatever his name was. I don't even remember his name. 
the kid who wrote the Bed Bath and Beyond, you know, capital structure advice. The kid who got the, who made the huge trade, the hugely successful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The front, the front kid, You're right? <laughs> you know, whatever his name was, uh, you know, the hundred million dollar trade on, you know, in a couple of weeks on Bed Bath and Beyond, which was proposed as you know a restructuring, um, and bought the equity and bought the Jake you know, Freeman, the, Jake, yes, good old Jake, bought that, you know, the way out of the money calls and. The whole game with everything that's been going on, you know, how, how often do you read about gamma squeezes and, you know, the tail wagging the dog now between the option market is, is, is it a derivative? If actually it's the primary thing people trade, <laughs> right. You know, I mean, it's tied to an underlying security, but if it's doing more action, uh, then it starts moving it. Uh, so there's a lot of that going on. So, yeah. I think um, you got kind of to an extreme, and um, I guess it, the short answer is that, like, when you get to that point, uh, and you're like that, like, when you're just like, oh, it's so obviously the worst company in the world. Duh, duh, duh. And I was just giving you the example, like, it was down eighty-two percent last uh, in twenty-one. It was down seventy-two percent in twenty-twenty-two. Like, would you make that a 15% short position to start 2023. Like you're, you're just the momentum trader. You're no different than the guy buying a hundred times sales stock on the way up, you know, like, yeah, but a hundred can become 200. Right now, I guess your argument, you know, at the bottom is like the fundamentals and like, it's not earning money. It's like, all right, like, well, I mean, like it's really priced in at these levels and, Things have to deteriorate at an accelerating rate, really, uh, from here. Uh, and like, there's real flexibility. You have a management team that's running the company. They're cutting costs. They're changing things. That you know, they're going to sell something, and then they decide they're not going to sell it because they're not happy with the price of it. Like that, you know, like they get the business to cash flow break even, right? Uh, you, you know, they're going to buy themselves another year. They bought themselves another year. You know, can you afford a short position in something like that where everybody feels that way and it moves against you, you know, in two weeks and all of a sudden you got to close it, right? So that's kind of the, that's the imbalance there, right? I mean, we had an extreme example recently with Coinbase. Uh, that's another one where I think you get, there's just some real stupidity willing to trade it. But like, that was also part of the thinking, you know, when I wrote it up and be like, look, I love the short but I'm not shorted. And even though like, I think it's so transparently obvious. And then as it came down, I'm like, Oh, I can't believe it. Should have had a short position. I would have made 40% in three weeks. <laughs> I mean, I actually did have a small teeny position, but like it made no difference. And then when I watched it recover, right. In six days, you know, it went from 33 to 55, right. Six sessions. You're like, all right, I'm going to short it. Not much has changed as far as my view. I don't care. I don't care if Bitcoin's 35,000, right? Or 40. Like, <laughs> I see no future for this business. Right. Because of the competition and because of the. There's a competition. Not really. Is like I mean, the competition from established finance, put it that way. No less so than like they, they had to dominate a vertical. Right. I was explaining to someone like the use of Robinhood versus like, you know, R- Robinhood's a good trading app for like if you particularly if you want to trade some options and you want to segregate it from your investing, right? Like and they definitely have a niche around that. Um, Coinbase doesn't. Right. It's like like it's the equivalent of Robinhood has a very equivalent of what people are willing to do with, with what they call shit coins, you know, altcoins, crap tokens, and like listed equities of note. So, I mean, like that's really, you know, like the core use for the model. I mean, like you're not, you're not opening a Robinhood account, you know, to buy five shares of Apple and sit in, and, and track your investment slowly over time, right? It's really good for buying and selling and trading particularly options. 
So I guess the, I guess where we started this, like the whole dash for trash, I mean, part of like the positioning element's a big deal. And, but of course, while this is going on, there's like, you know, everything from a media stock to a regular company to, you know, the Twilio's and sales forces of the world, you know, um, you know, to the Coinbase's and Carvana's and, uh, you know, uh, the extremely shorted stuff, you know, your firms and upstarts and you have like, you know, your lucids and lift. What do you, the, the point about what's priced in, I mean, that's always sort of the game, but like, I, I think to go to another familiar name, the, like a case like zoom where they, they still haven't reported. Uh, I think it's week after next, but they announce they announced what was it a fifteen percent cut in in employees? Yep. And Eric said, "I'm going to really cut my salary." Yeah. You know, salary ninety eight percent. They cut the executive staff, uh, his management team twenty percent, um, and they're all foregoing bonuses. Uh, canceled the equity protection program. They've cut perks. They've done a bunch of stuff. And so that was that. I think actually that whole dynamic with that the week before, like, I don't know whether Twilio was planning on announcing the restructuring that Monday morning, or they're going to wait to earnings, or whether they were going to wait another quarter to do all of this, you know, uh, and they were trying to figure it out. And uh, well, I think Zoom put a lot of pressure on everybody else. But it's what what's interesting is Zoom pops into the eighties on that news, just you know, tons of eighty five. Yeah. And then it just kind of fades quickly and you know, partly, but it, it faded even before like last week, the last couple of days of the week, the Nasdaq started to fade. And so that leads you into what is the macro, but in Zoom's case, like it. I just think it's what I'm getting at is there's still for all we talk about what's priced in, there's still a little bit of this, excuse me, a little bit of this sugar rush around the news and then whether it's gravity, whether it's broader sentiment, I don't know. It's just like it, it makes it it makes it seem like there's a lot of false signals that can throw you off. Um there are. I mean, the day that, uh, I mean, I track like what, like 110, 20 software names or so. Um, and the day that Twilio reported earnings Thursday was up like 15% or whatever. Um, I think Roku was up 10 or something. And then like every other name was red. <laughs> I mean, but on average, like four, five, six percent. There was some that were down big, like Ring had a big drop, a couple of names had a big drop. Uh, uh, but like a ton of volatility. Everybody was going crazy on Fastly last week, which in of itself, I think Fastly was up like 60% in the week. Uh, you know, HubSpot had a big move, Monday.com had a big move. Uh, you know, Airbnb had a big move, Roblox. Uh, but then on the other end, like Ring Central got hammered, uh, Dropbox got hammered, uh, Toast got hammered. Uh, and then the stuff that like really has been the most stable was down. So, like ServiceNow, like what did that close? Like 420, 430. It was down like 5% last week. So, like I just looked to me, like when I looked at the market on Thursday, it's like, oh, people are just buying stuff for earnings. And then, you know, there's like no support to own anything else. You know? So like they're like they're just renting, you know, it's hot potato. So like you can see it in the sense of like, oh, this did really good on earnings, and then it get, get it drops like 10, 15% of that move the next day as they move to the next one. Right. So like you just said, like, hey, 
let's go find who's going to lay off somebody next and like get a, buy a bunch of calls or buy the stock and wait for the news. It pops and sell it. Right. Right. And then like th that starts to happen enough before you know it, like you look at the tape and you end up with a day like Thursday where you're like, oh, Twilio's crushing it and Roku. And then you're like, why is everything else down so much? <laughs> so I'm back to your question. Like, and like, I mean, Zoom has had some serious volatility, right? Like it went to 85, then it came down to 73 and then, you know, came back to 80. And like, this is all in like a week and a half. Uh, and I mean, part of the appeal of Zoom is that like you're trying to kind of reduce that volatility. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're not laying these people off because things are good. Uh, and you can see from the top line numbers, like where, the, where we're at. Yeah, I guess that's 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 what I was sort of getting at. Like, it seems like we're still, again, whether or not full out recession in the economy, it seems like we still have room to go before you start to actually hear of some of these companies really not just stabilizing their profit margins or what have you, but actually re-accelerating growth in whatever way. I mean, I think in Zoom's case, we've talked about that's really an equation of when, at least the last I recall, of when the enterprise business starts to really outpower the prosumer business, which... Well, I mean, like, it's actually a weird dynamic there because I feel like the online business is taking its licking. Mm -hmm. uh, and now they're raising pricing uh, and you've seen the churn data, but now you're coming up on renewals for enterprises on the meeting side of the business. Like they're obviously growing phone very well, but you have the other end of it. Look, none of this stuff is easy. It's all it's a lot going on. I think the overriding theme is, uh, you know, uh, this work from home concept is kind of, you know, overish. <laughs> it's, it's certainly not, you're not going to get an incremental tailwind there anytime soon. That's, that's right. pretty safe to say. So, yeah. So it's like, what's your TAM there? Uh, and like, I think it's just kind of a challenge from here. So like, and you're kind of in like, you, you had this AI pocket up here also while this is going on, which really just kind of complicates things in my opinion because you don't it's think it's unclear. just hype i'm not saying it's hype i mean so there's like if you use chat gpt you kind of get it and like you've seen startups that mm, have been leveraging machine vision to do certain things uh so like I view most of this is just like replicating the human senses, whether like to see or to listen, right? So whether you're like detecting defects on a, on a line, teaching a car how to drive, uh, or you know, uh, monitoring a grocery store checkout, uh, or using a security camera to detect the serial killer in your neighborhood, even you know, <laughs> facial recognition. I mean, it's you know, the same shit. And then as far as listening, you know, uh, whether you're, you're listening to what people say about your business on the internet, uh, and getting sentiment analysis, which I think, you know, a lot of people have been doing already, or, you know, you get to the point where actually like being able to listen to humans, um, and taking that to the next level of, you know, conversational AI. And then like ultimately one day down the road, it's just, it's such a brain that does everything, right? Like marries the senses together. Uh, and, you know, whether or not, uh, you know, it's just one, one little computer automating everything. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and I'm not trying to dismiss the whole field of AI. I'm saying more the market. Well, we're both, I would say the two things we're seeing the biggest stories in the market from an AI, AI perspective are the Microsoft versus Google newly launched battle for search or relaunch battle for search. And then also the Long Island iced teas of the world now rebranding themselves as Long Island AI tea or whatever. And, you know, the way that 
those companies sort of branded them. Everybody's releasing how they're using AI to press releases about how they're using AI in their processes, which is nothing new. And ChatGPT certainly does feel different and feels exciting, but it's, you know, I'm sure you've played with it. I've played with it quite a bit and it's, it's a, it's a great language or a good language tool. Still a long way to go in terms of information. Yeah. I mean, I lost interest pretty quickly, but I mean, it was fun. Uh, so that's my point, right? Like, uh, how long does that, how long does that last? And like, there's like a mix of people kind of banking on that as a new kind of driver. And I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. Uh, and at the same time, you kind of have the, you know, you know, the recession bust has to kind of run us run its course. So that's like the headwind in your face. Um, but like at the same time, like the looming stuff around AI kind of also complicates, like if you were just kind of investing on older narratives and let's call it tech software that like maybe are no longer, like you were just hoping to return to them after just like, let's say the COVID hangover uh, or a little temporary slowdown. And now you're like, wait, maybe like none of that works or maybe like, maybe that's not where I want to be invested in going forward. So like just that makes it like the complication is actually takes uh, some of the luster also out of it because like you need like like you spent all this time getting like narratives down and then all of a sudden it's like remember like you had a lot of people tied to some narratives and they're kind of blown up and then it's like all right things got cheap and then it's like oh wait maybe these narratives maybe these are not the narratives going forward maybe my company is going to be obsolete uh Maybe like the future is just owning the low level infrastructure stack. You know, the guys making the silicon and memory and, uh, you know, like a couple of the models that everybody else is using as APIs. That's where you kind of get into this whole thing. Like, oh, wait, well, we, we, you know, Chegg's like, we use machine learning. So we did this. We use it like, all right, but what if you get to one model and everybody just kind of uses the same thing? And really all that matters is the compute and like that one model, right? So, and if like I'm plugging it in, you know, into my day-to-day -day operations and it's really just infrastructure. It's actually really low level, even if I may do high level things on it, right? Like, let's say uh, my grocery store, you know, uh, has a bunch of cameras and you know just a camera api that allows me to you know detect um, whether or not someone is stealing at the checkout counter right and then generating an alert right so like what am i buying there like do i need a standalone company to sell that or is that really more like a services consulting business and like, is that ultimately something I'm just kind of doing in-house? Like, I'm sure there's, like, you know, a startup that, to just do that. Uh, or, I mean, I've seen there's a, there a company public that does, like, you know, looking up license plates and for the insurance and for the police. And it's like, all right. But, like, again, like, do you get to the point that that's really just kind of done, uh, you know, by using you know, an API on chat GPT or something or, or, or vision GPT or whatever. <laughs> right. It's the, the base functionality. It's applying the base functionality. So uh, you're like, well, we can do this and it talks to the insurance company and does that. It's like, but what are you really bringing to the table? An integration? That seems to be it. Right. Like, is there some sort of like, like what, what are you as a software company, right? It's this, it's this model uh, and uh, you need this camera, right? And you need this processing power, right? And it's like, yeah, but all that also has to talk to this, look that up and send, and send this notification. Like, all right, but like how hard is that at the end of the day? That's like the last mile. 
So anyway, I'm not trying to spend too much time thinking about this stuff. But yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I mean, do what do you have any takes on the Microsoft and Google piece of this, or do you, is this just? Because my sense is that Microsoft has figured out a way to create a perception that they have something, and what and the more you read about it, it's not clear that what they have is all that much fancier. But sure, they probably caught Google napping a little bit. But I, I don't know. I mean, not a bad presentation. I don't really know if they called the mapping. Uh, I mean, again, like like I, I saw something the other day about how Microsoft's going to charge. You know, they raise the pricing like 10x for the APIs for Bing, and it's like good because like you know at least nobody will be playing around with this stuff who has absolutely no business model, right? I, I mean, we went through this in the early days with you know, Google Maps. And there was like a bunch of startups that got going and then like all of a sudden, like one day Google started charging for the Maps API. And it's like, all right, well, these models don't work, right? So like if you're going to actually make something work on on Bing, GPT, you're going to have to find end user demand. So like, I don't know how people can get super excited about, uh, you know, uh, like a, the, the potential boom here until like you really have established end user demand and like that's you know like that's kind of where the challenge is here today and i think you'll see you know all of them experiment more and productize some stuff but like i do think you're still in this you're in this leg down and uh it takes a little while for something exciting to come out of it. Like I was having this debate with someone on whether or not like the semiconductor sector has a, you know, the data center side of the semiconductor space has a slowdown. And like so far the data support, like there's a lot of backlog and a bunch of stuff going on, but like so far the data supports that no, right? But like I've seen so many times in the past where you will see delays, you know, of the customers collectively delay, even though it's like, hey, the ROI on this is great, or hey, like you don't want to fall behind, and like they all delay at the same time, you know. So here you are, kind of in this bust, and it's just like you're really betting that like when AWS goes from forty, you know, to you know ten percent, that like by the end of the year. Uh, they're not looking to to cut capex for 2024, right? Like everybody's not looking at some sort of like pause, um, you know, or a slowdown. Like you you had you know Zuck with his whole the year of uh, efficiency, right? Like none of them lose anything if all of them are 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 you know pumping the brakes some at the same time. So. I'm more inclined to believe that that's like where we end up by the end of this year, beginning of next year. So I think like you'll see some of that. And just like, I think you're, you know, in the first inning of a tech recession, um, you can't like compare it to the stock market. If, if a stock falls 90% before the first inning starts, right? Like it discounted or it over discounted it, right? And then you'll have a rally. I mean, I've had this debate with some people over Twitter where like, like you know, back when, uh, you know, putting on some longs and SAS, you know, last November, right? And December. And it's like, yeah, this stock will be, you know, you'll make this much money potentially in 18 to 24 months. I'm like, look, this doesn't pan out in six months. Something's wrong. <laughs> you know? Right? Like you're looking for positioning. You're looking for the cost cutting. You're looking for like the whole pivot. I think Twilio was a great example of that. I mean, for those that read, you know, my pitch, you know, that day uh, after it crashed or whatever it was, November 4th, you know, I had like a pretty detailed write-up. And um, I mean, it's like management essentially went in that direction. So, I mean, a lot of the confidence in buying it was, you know, you were paying like just under $3 billion enterprise value. And you were not focused on growth. You you wanted them to split into two businesses. And I think I saw, I don't know if you read the the, the earnings call, but like there was like a sell-side analyst who was like, so would it be safe to say that these two new divisions that 
the adjusted EBITDA guide you're giving of you know 250 to 350 million that you know about 100% or so or is it more of that is coming from the communications business versus the applications business and you're like well yeah no 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 it's more so it's like i mean you know like how is a sell side analyst even asking that at this point uh and you know, it kind of shows like where they were at in terms of the understanding between the two to see the guidance the way it was given. And that's kind of, uh, you know, it's kind of the the story with some of these names. I mean, you know, some some drastic changes and like they're not pro-growth. Like, I mean, Twilio's management was like in this new environment, you know, investors expect uh, you know growth and profitability. It's like you've been public for six years. You know, <laughs> you know I can't believe you put that in a press release. Profits, you like, want profits. I mean, what's the point of the business if there's no profits, right? Right. right. Like, it's like, no, no, we'll just grow. It's like, no, we always expected growth and profitability. We were just willing to sacrifice profitability because we felt that like you were on a path to it via growth, right? And uh, you know, clearly it got to a point where you guys didn't really understand how to manage the balance between the two. So, but yeah, I mean, like you know, the stock you you go from buying the stock at like 0.5 times sales, and like you know, uh, with four plus billion in cash uh, at a 2.7, 2.8 enterprise value to, I mean, it's now worth, you know, uh, $10 billion. And I think, like, I think if you looked at where it was on Friday, sorry, on Thursday at the high, it's almost a quadruple in the enterprise value. Like that's also part of the thing when you have a market cap like that and that much cash in the balance sheet. Right. So you really forexed the business, uh, you know, from from November 4th to, you know, last Thursday. So, yeah, going forward now, it's like, all right, uh, hmm. now it's trading at, you know, 40 times adjusted EBITDA for next year. And, it may grow revenue, I don't know, eight, nine percent, seven. I don't know. It's like I got you 14 this quarter. Like it seems like you're gonna be single digits in, in a quarter or two. Uh so or, or maybe manage to eke out 10, but whatever. Like that's not exactly appealing anymore. So and these levers have been pulled. They've split the business. They've done this. So, like a lot of this is going on, at, you know, at, at a bunch of places. So you had these really distressed valuations, but like you could find yourself revisiting those, just not as quickly as you did last year, right? It could just be a grind. No one's saying that you like you're going to go lower, and like, or you may not even retest them exactly, right? But like, you'll feel like an idiot if you bought a stock made ninety percent, you know, in two and a half months and then you held it as it came back down 80%, right? Like you're into the same level. Like your goal is, uh, is, well, it wouldn't be 80%, but yeah, you get my drift. Uh, you know, to give back the 80% gain, uh, you know, in this case, it would be like, a you know, 40, 50% drop or whatever. But like, there's a lot of that out there. So like, if that's, if that's out there, uh, you know, to be holding here, like you really need to be betting on multiple expansion and, and uh, you know, uh, a growth engine. Well, the the equivalent here, the the large cap name that or mega cap name that's occurring to me as you're saying all this, I know it's different because they are profitable and we're not cheap just on a sales basis, but on an earnings basis. But where the similar sort of November quarter, everybody thinks that they're never going to adequately rein in costs to January quarter, 
year of efficiency, like you said, is is Meta, is Facebook. And it's interesting. I know it's not one-to-one with Twilio, but it just, you know, that stock is basically is more than doubled, I think. Or about it's about double from its bottom. And that's after coming back a little bit. And that's just an enormous amount of market cap when you think about it. And the main thing that's changed is basically that Zuckerberg has apparently found religion on this is a this is a recessionary environment for tech and we need to rein in costs. But that's still unclear that they've I, I don't know. It's just an interesting sort of similar vibe of if you're if you're looking at it now at 172. I mean, Facebook is so extreme because I mean, it really did go through so like an absolutely ridiculous move. Uh, I mean, you've seen some other ones recently too, right? Uh, I mean, you went vertical in Alibaba. Uh, I mean, Tesla too. By the way, it's I mean, dropped. It's dropped. It's given back. You know. A good chunk of it recently. Uh, Tesla obviously, you know, fell off a cliff in December, and then reversed all of that move. Yeah, it's up more know, than a hundred percent year to date. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, but like literally, which brings it right back to where it was December one. Slightly, I would get slightly further back, but yeah, November. It's like not. Yeah, but it was like 190 something to start November and then like it, it nosedive quickly. Yeah. Uh, and then like, you know, it's, it's ticked over 200 recently, but you know, it, uh, you were 196, 197 on Friday. So like it pretty much sideways. Well, like it had had, it had held up better than everything else coming into December, right? And then just had this kind of like, like, all right, well, Tesla's the last one to fall. And then it's just like, you thought, all right, it'll, it'll decline maybe 15, 20% this month, like 10 to 15 the next month or whatever, you know, said falls 50% in like three and a half weeks. And then you have that kind of violent action all the way back up. And that's been like the kind of the story. I mean, there was a lot of people who were really bearish. There's a lot of people who were really just kind of Maybe I don't know. They're looking for like a 2008, or I don't know, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. where it's just like everything. It's just you know, when like people are like, it's rates are here, and Fed's fucked, and you know, Kathy Wood screwed it up, and these guys screwed it up, and everyone screwed it up, and uh, you know, tough times ahead, mm-hmm. and like that's just not been the market, right? I mean, the market was really extremely weak in one notable sector last year and then it was pretty fine in fact good in some other areas but like let's just say at worst it was like you know a yawner for a lot of other stocks yeah which is you know and we're we talk about tech a lot ourselves but it's interesting how people will abstract the NASDAQ as representative of the whole market. And it's, you know, not that the SP had a great year, but there are, there's definitely more out there. Um, so it's interesting. All right. Uh, any, any, any last thoughts? Any, any other I don't know. I mean, what have you been doing? Not buying a lot. Been playing. Let's see. What have I been doing? I've uh, I've had a lucky start to the year because one of my biggest name my biggest name is semiconductor cap, and it's just I don't know. Just continues to. It's probably fully valued now, but just kind of continues All to right, sell it. What is it? Axelis, I've told you about it before. Okay, yeah. It's a funny little stock, but it's still still chugging along. And yeah, I don't know. It's a weird, yeah, it's been a weird. I mean, I took a if you want a name with low volatility, Dropbox is sort of your place in at least in this tech world. And it's still it had that big sell-off last week, but it I still didn't have 
too bad. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to find mostly looking outside attack. I was hoping to do some more bottom fishing, sort of bottom fishing in tech, but didn't end up doing it. I got lucky on Spotify is the name that's kind of, I got a not huge position, but decent position in, and it's kind of taken that rally. Um, you know, it seems, I think that's the, the, the non-tech economy still seems pretty decent. I still think travel, even though those names aren't cheap, I think travel is probably still fine. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's still, I'm probably, I haven't done any, I haven't opened anything interesting this year, mostly just like M&A stuff where it's quasi-speculation either on a merger arb or on a pre-deal thing um yeah it's tricky out there it's tricky to calibrate and to see um you know you feel it's easy to feel like a genius when you have your portfolio go up almost every day to start the year like it it, it kind of sucks you in pretty uh pretty sort of a drag um and so it's it's like an interesting time to be cautious and to make sure that that you don't get fooled and to believe in your yeah, own I mean, having this conversation with someone if you actually have a long short kind of balanced approach you shouldn't experience that you know <laughs> right like there should be some things that aren't like there should be some stuff if you performed really well the last 18 months uh coming into this year so 12 months 18 months whatever 12 months like January shouldn't be good for you unless you drastically changed all your positioning, you know, you know, can't like as of January one. Uh, and I mean, in some cases, like you should have been tweaking that stuff by the end of the year, but like, uh, you know, most of this stuff hasn't really moved around that much. Uh, if you kind of look at it, uh, I mean, I've got some names, uh, where I mean, I feel like there's been almost no volatility in Juniper. Uh, you know, it's had like a little bit of a pop, but like five percent or whatever. But it's just kind of been bouncing around in terms of Boeing. And I keep telling myself I'm just going to dump them both. I just really didn't know what to do with either of them. Uh, but then on my shorts, I mean. You know, my biggest position now is down on the year. So, and it's a short, so I'm not going to complain. But like that position was designed for like the last several months of 2022 to not be something that like was a momentum trade, right? It was like against the momentum really in many respects of, of, uh, you know, what were the weaker stocks. So you were like trading off like the risk of a snapback and volatility um, just for, you know, a short that like you expected, you you found appealing and you were willing to sit, you know, over time, right? And like that's, I think, where like people like forget, like you shouldn't, I mean, unless you're really hardcore event trading, like you shouldn't be opening a position that you expect is going to get to some, price in either direction like by tomorrow <laughs> you know some people seem to be like they do a lot of that and that kind of goes back to a lot of the shorting at the end of 2022 and like the bearishness and it's like you know there's been a like there's been a bunch of bears that actually kind of got on bull bullish and i've been like throwing shade at like the 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 perma bears i've like i've noticed that kind of like a fragmentation on Twitter, and it's just like because of the positioning being too extreme with some, and like you know maybe some some hypocrisy, maybe you know in terms of the approaches. Uh, I mean, let's not beat around the bush. Like shorting is hard, you know. It's uh, like it takes a certain type of skill set to do it. Uh, I also think that like if it it, it works much better if you also spend a lot of time being long because like you you don't want to wake up every single day just rooting for everything to go down 
right? Like it's not, it's actually kind of a very nonsensical way to approach investing, right? Where you're just like, I don't know, futures, you know, it's like, well, I mean, there's days like, you know, futures can go down and your stocks can go up, right? And vice versa. Um, but like, there's like a preconditioning, like in that point where I'm just like, all right, I want the futures red and I want, you know, I'm expecting to wake up and see like my name's, uh, you know, in the red because I'm just short. Look, I've been there. Like I've done the directional thing many times, and I'm a much happier camper when when I'm not totally uh, direction. Right. Yeah, it requires, and maybe gives you if you're well positioned, but it requires a bit of patience to be able to, like you said, not not expect your returns to be realized tomorrow as much as you want them to. Yeah, recessions don't happen fast, right? Like, I mean, you just laid off a bunch of people at a bunch of places and they have severance and they're probably going to go on vacation or travel or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, figure out what they're doing. Uh, these are knowledge workers, you know, at high paying jobs, right? Like, yeah, I mean, for each, for, you know, each one that probably is on a tight budget or maybe not like in good shape, but. I think there's like five others, you know, who are, and this is like a break for them. So they're probably not going to change their consumption patterns uh, really quickly. And then like once this happens, right, like, you know, tech company A pays tech company B pays tech company C pays tech company D, right? Like there's a lot of that in tech. And what is like the average company has how many SaaS apps, right? So like if you if you lay off 10, 15, 20, 30 percent, you know, like there's associated costs that come with those people outside of their salaries. So you need to process less payroll. Uh, you don't need to pay for Microsoft Office or Teams or Zoom, you know, or Atlassian for any one of those employees or Salesforce, right? So like, and every one of those firms, you know, like they have that, right? So like that, you know, that reverberates. And then as that's happening, you know, X, Y, and Z company spends less and delays projects. And I mean, I've even seen some of it already where it's just like, we're looking to get this all deployed within a year and a half. Now it's like, maybe we'll get it done in three. So uh, that's just, I mean, and like, that's, that's just how it goes. Right. Uh, I think everybody wants everything to happen quickly. Like I was just having this conversation where it's like tech recession, 18, you know, like the market already did this. What are you saying? The market's rallied. And it's like, I mean, yeah, because the stock fell 85% and then 90%, you know, uh, like, can move up a hundred percent in two weeks, but like that doesn't mean that like growth isn't slowing. I mean, this is what was good about this was. I mean, I got into this. I, there was one thing I want to pat myself on the back was I was like the setup on the long side, and I was not super aggressive with this in January. Okay, like I was really happy with how twenty twenty two went for me. You know, I didn't like feel like waking up and being like I'm gonna buy fastly because I don't know what it does. You know. <laughs> All I know is it was once great and it has been falling and falling and falling and hated. And like, I get that trade. I love it. I love the people who put that on. Right. But like, I'm not like, I'm going to buy Carvana. I'm going to get into Bed Bath and Beyond because it's so crowded that we'll make 250%, you know, in, in two weeks. Right. I'm going to get into C3 AI and like, you know, every speculative AI trade. You know, on the back of Chat GPT, right? <laughs> uh, you know, I kept my I kept my my shit simple uh, on the long side. Uh, I think Twilio and Zoom were enough for me, really. You know, as far as uh, as names in that in that space, you know, and like, and I'm still shorting too, right? So you know, you're managing that. I mean, I did go through the Coinbase, let's be honest, but like, whatever, I I, I can live with that. Uh, 
it did move 65%. I was down almost 65, yeah, 60, 65 uh, in like, I don't know, five days. And this was after watching it almost double before I opened the real position. <laughs> and you're just like, huh, there it is. All right, forgot. Now I remember what these are like. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's almost you need to but feel like, it again. You know, and then I kid you not, I was I was up one percent uh, without average averaging down five days later last Friday. I was like, look at that, you know, like, uh, oh, and I just like I know what it's like when you're like I like I mean I'm sure there's people in there who are trading it who are feeling pain in in either way, and this is where you get into it where you're just like, you know, at twenty billion dollars, you're like I am one bazillion percent confident that this is like a five billion dollar or less market cap company. Right. But like, let's say you had put a hundred percent down on that, like a hundred percent of your capital, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like you're out, Daniel. Yeah. You don't get to play the game next week. <laughs> you know, you've got no more lives. How many lives do you get right? <laughs> in the video game? You know? well, it's, it's, you probably saw the it's, quote. Munger was the there was a quote of Munger going around. I think I guess it was in an interview he gave last week or in the his daily journal meeting where he talked about how if you really know what you're doing with a position and you really have feel like you have it, you should be putting more than a hundred percent. Now I don't think I think he was speaking from the long side, not shorting, but Correct. it's uh it's a reminder of that again, it's that tricky balance between. Don't yeah, I mean, look, if your leverage is alongside, uh, you know, I think he was like, maybe you should be doing 120 or 130 is what he said. But yeah, like 200% is, you know, again, you're out of the game if it drops 50. Right. right? But yeah, so if you're shorting and it goes from 33 to 87, you know, now granted it went from 50 to 33 in four days. Everyone has an extreme. I was at a conference and I watched somebody like ask a founder a question and was like, why would I invest in a private startup if I can buy Tesla and make a hundred percent in a month? And I was like, and I, like I was dying to just stand up like, Hey, would you have been uh, uh, holding on to your Tesla when you lost 50% in three weeks, <laughs> in the previous, right. literally in the previous three weeks. Right. I was just like, you know, it's like such a, you know, like these guys who, who all of a sudden like, the, I mean, and they've seen it, you know, what, and like Tesla's an extreme example, the good one, you know, you already mentioned it was Meta, right? Because Meta ticks the boxes. You bought it at that valuation multiple that was low. Uh, there's no evidence of anything going wrong in the business, right? Uh, he could possibly shut down VR tomorrow if you were, if you really were focused on that. Uh, you know, Reels has made progress. Uh, you know, there's like metrics that are ticking up on usage, whatever, relatively speaking. And it traded down to like, you know, uh, you know, 2.9 times or whatever it was, EBITDA. And, you know, some of it was a little bit inflated, but also it, it includes the, the, the reality lab side of things. So, you know, you can have that debate, uh, not as controversial as, as Tesla. And yeah, it did, it did rally, you know, um, more than a hundred percent, right. We went from 87 to I think 191. That's about right. Yeah. You know, and like what from middle November to you know beginning uh, February, yeah. So yeah, you're gonna get people who are just gonna look at that and say, like, yeah, do you know how many people abandoned Facebook? You know, <laughs> long before that, and then like the people who were, had made it a running joke and. I mean, that was Facebook when, you know, you, you had the, the Bob extreme before, at least that was Chinese, but uh, I mean, like if Facebook ever gets back to that level again, you probably don't want to own it. The, the, the bottom again, because it would be a sign of. I'm just saying, of, like if, if it got back there, like it's probably, there's probably things going wrong. Right. Right. Like you actually, it won't be like they can control uh, what's wrong with uh, 
you know, their investments in VR, the, it'll be just the, the, the business is dying. Although I still have a hard time envisioning how that happens. So like, it seems people's behavior is not changing that drastically. That's also where I kind of look at Google and I'm like, should we just buy Google here? So I don't really think you're changing consumer behavior like that. It's not like it's like, you're, I mean, there's a defense where it's like not an enterprise product when you're thinking about search, but then like, it's like, yeah, but like you've turned it into a verb for everybody. Like, you know, like it's going to be really hard to, to get that many people to start using something else for search. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and that's, I also think the, I'm not sure how far, I think the chat GPT buzz is out there. It's not just a stock market thing, but I'm not, yeah, like you said, we'll get a real good, um, we'll get a real good test of Google's moat and how strong it is, I guess, in some ways in these coming months. All right. Well, you wanna you wanna wrap it there then? Yep, that sounds good. All right, good stuff. So it's been a been a fun start, and we'll kind of see whether where uh, whether the the bell has rung or the dog has whistled or whatever. commodities. That's my my new thing. I moved on. Long commodities. There you, you go. Can, you can find you can find me in. Uh, uh, I'll be wearing tech retro uh, clothing. Next week we will talk about whether. <laughs> Oil or fertilizers is the best way to play to play the commodity space and amidst a high rate environment and all that stuff. So all right. Good stuff, Akram. righty. Take it easy. Thank you for listening to the Razor's Edge. Subscribe to this wherever you get your podcasts. Hit us up on Twitter at, at Daniel Shortman and at Akram's Razor with suggestions, requests, or anything else. We aim to publish this every Tuesday morning and love to hear from you. If you can share this with a friend or leave a review on Apple Podcasts, we'd really be grateful, as that will help the podcast grow and improve. This has been a Shortman Studios production. Our theme song is Move On by Sokel. Thank you for listening and see you next week.